when you want to be champion or the best at something, you need to be more than dedicated to this thing. You need to be obsessed. And I'm talking about being the best in the world at something. You need to be obsessed by it. You need to dream about it, to think about it, to breathe it, to eat it. Every time you have a second, you need to think about it. And that's how I always was during my career. All right, welcome back or welcome to the Finding Mastery Podcast. I am Michael Gervais, and by trade and trading, a sport and performance psychologist. Now, the whole idea behind this podcast, behind these conversations, is to learn from people who are on the path of mastery. We want to better understand what's driving them. What are they searching for? How do they organize their internal life? How do they match the challenges of the external world that they're purposely putting themselves in? And then underneath of it, we want to dig to to explore the mental skills that they're using to refine their craft. Finding Mastery is brought to you by Bubs Naturals. Like you, I am mindful about what I put into my body. So for me, it usually comes down to ingredients and simplicity. The shorter the list, the better. And that's why I've been loving Bubs Naturals. Bubs creates products with high quality, all natural ingredients that are designed to help us get after the adventures in life. For years, I've been a huge fan of their hydrate or die electrolyte mix. I mean, that's a fun title for a product, isn't it? It only has six total ingredients. It's packed with electrolytes. I love the taste. No added sugar, no artificial flavors, none of that stuff. It's great for post-workout recovery. That's when I use it. And I also use it during long periods of travel, which I've been doing a lot lately. And so thank you for the hydration here. And a ton of athletes that I know swear by them too. They're currently in just about every MLB locker room. They work closely with the Red Sox, the Yankees, I know the Rangers, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, and and many more, of course. I'd love for you to go check them out. I think they're doing a really nice job. Just head to bubsnaturals.com slash findingmastery and enter the code findingmastery at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's bubsnaturals, B-U-B-S naturals, dot com slash finding mastery with the code finding mastery for 20% off your first purchase. Finding mastery is brought to you by hymns. Hymns is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science informed treatments for erectile dysfunction, ED, hair loss, weight loss, and more health struggles like ED are common, but they can be hard to talk about when it comes to finding a solution. That's why Hims has been a game changer for so many men. The entire process is 100% online, and if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms, no pharmacy visits. Plus, you can manage your plan directly on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. So, if you or a loved one has been struggling with ED, I really want to encourage you to go check out Hims, And I know ED often has a psychological component as well. So be sure that you're stacking some psychological best practices into your daily routine as well. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash finding mastery. That's hymns, H-I-M-S dot com slash finding mastery for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash finding mastery. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash EOF for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Okay, this week's conversation is with Georges St. Pierre. He's also known as GSP in the MMA mixed martial artist world or the UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship. And he's from Canada, a professional MMA artist, and he's a world champion in two different weight classes. Extraordinary. <laughs> and he holds black belts in both Kyokushin Karate and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And Georges is recognized as one of the planet's best pound-for-pound MMA fighters and all-around flat-out athlete. He retired from the sport in December of 2013 holding the UFC record for the most wins in title bouts. 
And then he took a four-year hiatus from elite sport to take a four-year hiatus is incredible. So then he comes back to the octagon, back to the UFC in November 2017. He fought in New York City where he defeated Michael Brisbane. And he did it by submission in the third round to win the UFC middleweight championship title. And that's where he becomes the fourth fighter in the history of the organization, in the history of the sport, to be a multi-division champion. Then a month later, after being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, Georges vacated the UFC middleweight title and officially announced his retirement from the sport February in 2019, just a few months ago. In this conversation, you'll absolutely get why he is so successful. I mean, we talk about the light side, the dark side, the cost. We talk about the whole thing. And I think you'll be surprised to learn that while Georges may be arguably the best fighter of all time, he actually doesn't really like to fight. It's crazy. And it makes sense when you hear him talk about it. So he also shares why the key to his sustained success is also the same thing that drove him into retirement. Double-edged sword. Okay, so with that, let's jump right into this conversation with Georges St. Pierre. Georges, how are you? Fantastic, Mike. Thank you for, for having me. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, obviously, you've got a nice, thick French accent, you know. Uh, <laughs> can, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up? Well, I, I grew up in a, in a French, French-speaking environment. And um, yeah, so I, I learned English. I learned how to speak English a little bit late in my life uh, because, uh, of course, we, we learn it at school. But when you're in a class, after when the class is, is over, you go back in your uh, natural language and form of expression. So you go back to speaking French. So the best way to learn a language is how I did. I got, uh, I had to, I went to United States and I, um, I got. Uh, I had to spend time there by myself, so I had no choice to to use English to to get around and to 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 kind of uh, get food and uh, training and learn learn stuff, you know. Yeah. So you were immersed in the culture. That's really how you learned it. Yeah, I, th- I think if you try to learn by studying in school, it's not it's not enough because your your natural instinct. Are always to go back to what you're comfortable with. So for me, it was, you know, if you get plunged in an environment that you have no choice to to speak that the language, it's it's you learn much faster. Is that the same way that you learned sport by completely immersing yourself in, um, you know, highly skilled environment or environment that was saturated with um, the nuances of the craft? Can you talk about how you learned your craft? Well. I uh, I got involved with martial art with karate at first because I was bullied at school. I was in a school where there was there was a, a, a delinquent teenagers program, and those kids were much older than the other kids. And there the, the, there's the kids that I had problem with. So so they I used to get beat up pretty much every week in school in average. So. I had big problem growing up at school because in, 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 instead of focusing on, on what the teacher was telling us and learning, I was focusing more on how I'm going to get out of the class at the end and reach the bus without getting uh, beat up by those guys who were waiting for me, you know, be, before I take the bus. So my mind was not at the right places. And I always wanted to learn martial art to defend myself. I start doing karate at age uh, nine, at nine, nine years old. I, I actually started at seven with my dad teaching me, but I started at nine in a school to learn how to defend myself. And what teach me, what martial art teach me is because I wanted to change my environment, you know, and I try, I was trying to change my environment, but the environment, sometimes you don't control it. So what I realized and what martial art teach me is to change to change my environment, I had to look at myself in the mirror and change myself first. Growing up, I was a kid that lacked lacked a lot of confidence. I was not a confident kid, and it shows in my attitude. You know, I, I was not I was not having a good a good image of myself, self image of myself. So martial art teach me that confidence it's a state of mind. 
it's 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 uh, confidence is not a state of mind. It's it's a choice. You can increase your confidence with different exercises, and that's the same thing I use in every fight, you know. And that's what I learned growing up in school and having to face bullying at a very young age. And that's what I use when I when I fight, you know. I it's like they say in English is uh, you fake it until you make. It. I put a mask. I act like a champion. I try to to act. Like it's impossible to fail for me that I'm happy and, I, and I'm excited to find out how I'm going to win the fight. And I have more winner's attitude, look more like a confident person. Even though deep down inside I'm scared and nervous, the image that I represent and that I, that I carry is different than how I feel. And what happened by doing that after a certain time, psychologically, you're changing you 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 become confident for real and you you become a different person because of that attitude that you portrayed and that's what helped me to to get over bullying i i, I didn't get over bullying by beating up the bullies like you see in hollywood movie i got over it just because i changed my attitude i i i i look more like a confident kid i used to walk up with my shoulder and up and, and look down, you know, with with a big sign of, of lack of confidence. But what happened? Martial arts to teach me to stand up straight. When I look, when I shake hand, I have a firm shake shake hand, and I look people in the eyes, and I my shoulders are are down and straight up. I look more solid, you know. I don't I don't look like a victim, and I should never consider myself as a victim. And that's how I get over bullying, and that's how I approach every challenge in my life with a sign of confidence. And that's how I I I, I use that in my career as a fighter as well. Mm, okay, so this idea of fake it to make it, I want to I want to pull into or dive into that a little bit because, like, when I think about confidence, that is not how I think the most sturdy or stable way to build confidence is. And I hear it. I hear why you built it. I understand the need for you to present a particular way. And I, I just like, when I think about confidence, I drive into like, okay, it's really important to authentically speak to yourself in ways where you think that you have everything it takes to meet the challenge. And if you don't have the skills, that you have the ability to figure it out as you go. So like, yeah. so does that not, do you disagree with that? Like maybe a way to answer that eloquently would be, or for me to ask the question more eloquently would be, if you were grooming a fighter, would you want him to fake it or would you want him to do something else to build his confidence? No, of course it, it doesn't come by magic. The, the work needs to be done. Um, I'm talking about the, the, the you know, just the, the, the front, the image that you want to portray. However, you need to, to get the work done. Uh, of course, I became more confident knowing that I could defend myself in the eventuality of someone was attacking me. I, because my, my knowledge of, of self-defense increases in the, in the schoolyard. Also, as a fighter, it's like I'm training very hard and I leave, I leave no stone unturned. I there don't you go. Corner. Yeah, there you go. And, and, yeah. and my confidence comes from how I prepare myself every day. It's like if you if you have an exam at school, if you have an exam at school and you don't study, for sure you're not going to be confident. Even if you try to fake it, it's going to be very hard to fake it. You can fake it if you're a good actor, but deep down inside, you're not going to have that, tra that, that transformation, psychological transformation that comes with it because you know you're lying to yourself. I'm not lying to myself because I know I put the work into it. However, the, the fear of failure is always there. Even though I know I've done all the work that comes with it, I'm still afraid because there's a part of, of, of it that I don't control. But I try to only focus on things that I control. And by focusing on things that I control and I do the best with it, the, the rest will take care of itself. And if I fail, I fail because the guy is better than me. I did not, I did not fail because I did not to put the work that comes into it. So I better win, win, win big or lose big. So that's how I see it. I, I, I go all in, and that's how it is. You know. I love that. So you're more, 
more afraid of failure than you are breaking a nose, breaking an arm, or you know, losing a fight. It sounds like yes. Okay, so what does failure mean to you? Like, how do you define it? Failure for me, it, and I always been re- I always been ready to to fail. Even though I'm very scared of failure, I'm always been ready to fail. Because in a, in a failure, if you fail in a way, because it's your fault that you did you didn't you cut corners or you didn't do your homework, that's your fault. And you deserve to fail. You deserve to fail. You deserve to to let's say I, I didn't study enough my opponent in a fight, or I did I did I didn't train as as hard as I should, and I fail because of lack of conditioning or lack of knowledge of what my opponents bring on the table. This is my fault. However, if I put all the work into it and I did I, I did not cut corners, but in during the fight during an exchange I just got cut with a with a with a looping punch and I got knocked out. You know, this thing happened because it, it's a X factor that you do not control. So if I if I lose because of that it will be easier for me to come back with confidence in my next fight. You know, that that if, if I know if I fail because of, of you know, my own mistake, you know what I mean? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't say it would be, I, I miss, I miss uh, explain myself. I would not say it's easier to come back, but it will be less frustrating. I will not be as frustrating about myself as if I lose because I got caught by something that I was not expecting that or if I know I lose because of myself that that would have would be okay. very frustrating yeah for for course it will be very hard to come back from a loss yeah but, but it would be less frustrating okay really cool insight and so it's about preparation ridiculous relentless chipping all in preparation for you and then when the cage door closes and it's you and another man across from you, and he's highly skilled, and you're highly skilled, and you know you've done your work, your conditioning is on point, you have a good strategy, you understand his tendencies, and your heart begins to pound, your your body has a little bit more adrenaline than it's used to. What do you do with your mind? How do you organize your mind when your body has switched on more than it's accustomed to? Like, What do you do in those moments? So when when you're competing, of course, the, the the weight is the hardest part. But when for me when I when it's time to walk on, I'm on I'm on uh, cruise control. There is nothing I can do to to change because from now on I'm on. For me, I see it as a, as I'm in cruise control because my my computer is set to react in a certain way to different scenario and. Those things has been work and training so many times, so many repetition that it's too late to change anything. I cannot step it up or step it down because it's gonna happen. How I've been training it, like the same, the same repetition will occur that I've been doing in training. If I, if I, a true, if a job gets thrown to me, and I repeat, I, and I train to react at a certain way during training. The, the night of the fight, I'm not going to react a different way that I've been training to react in, 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 in during all those times that I've been doing in training. So for me, when it's time to walk in the cage, there's something, there's only one thing to focus for me. I know that if I try to be too much focused on what's going on, I'm missing out what my, my coaches are, are yelling at me. I'm missing out of how much time left there is, you know, because I look, I need to look of the clock. Sometimes I need to be aware of my environment that surround me to perform better. And I'm missing that if I'm too focused on my opponent. If I'm not focused enough on my opponent, it's not good either because I might get clipped by something that I haven't seen. So there is a perfect funnel that is not to be too focused and not to be not enough focused. There's the perfect uh, optimal performance of focus that you need to be in. It's called the zone. And for me, that's what I try to be. Sometimes I was overthinking stuff and I had problem in my fight because I was so too much overthinking because I was too much focusing on, on, on what is going on. And sometimes it's good to be a little bit less. And that's when you perform better.
Finding Mastery is brought to you by Apollo Neuro. I am really excited about what Apollo Neuro is building. If you haven't had the chance yet, I highly recommend that you go check out the conversation I had with their co-founder, Dr. David Rabin, on the podcast. It is well worth a listen. Unlike traditional wearables that simply track your biometrics, Apollo is doing it totally differently. Apollo Neuro is designed to actively improve your health by enhancing sleep, relaxation, energy, and focus. So how's it work? Developed by neuroscientists and physicians, Apollo delivers these soothing little vibrations. They call them Apollo vibes that are like music your body can feel. More rapid vibrations help to improve your energy and focus, while the slower vibrations help to promote rest and digest in your body. And the best part for me, they're grounded in good science. Apollo has been tested by thousands of users in clinical and real-world trials. I would love for you to give it a go. It's making a meaningful difference in my life. And because you're listening to this podcast, you can receive an exclusive 15% off an Apollo wearable. Just head to apolloneuro.com slash findingmastery and use the code findingmastery at checkout. This is an exclusive offer. It's only for us here at Finding Mastery. So be sure to use the code at checkout. Again, that's Apollo, A-P-O-L-L-O, Apollo Neuro, N-E-U-R-O, apolloneuro.com slash findingmastery or use the code findingmastery at checkout for 15% off your purchase. Finding Mastery is brought to you by Cured. If there's one big rock to get into the container when it comes to dialing in your wellness, one thing that stands out among the rest is sleep. Whether it be improved physical health, mental health, performance, creativity, quality sleep is the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with the science that supports that. And if you're struggling with sleep or you just want to dial it in a bit further, Cured's Zen formula just might be a great solution for you. Zen is a nootropic that is formulated by Cure's very own in-house clinical herbalist, and it contains a blend of reishi mushroom, ashwagandha, chamomile, passionflower, and broad-spectrum CBD. That is a powerhouse combination. Zen could be a great little addition to your bedtime routine. They recommend taking it about 45 minutes before hopping into bed to let the reishi and ashwagandha and chamomile and the CBD do their thing. So right now, because you're listening to this podcast, Cured is hooking you up with a great offer. You can try Zen for 20% off when you visit curednutrition.com slash findingmastery and you use the code findingmastery at checkout. That's Cured, C-U-R-E-D, Cured, nutrition.com slash findingmastery and enter the code findingmastery at checkout to save 20% there's two things when we talk about the zone we talk about the zone which is like flow state that most optimal state and it's, it's this mix that you're talking about between uh, a wide focus and a narrow concentration and then there's also the zone of optimal functioning and that encompasses when our our body is primed for the task at hand and our mind is confident and we and we are approaching the challenge in an open way but with high command of our skills. And are you talking about the zone of optimal functioning or are you talking about that most optimal state where it feels like everything is completely fluid? Yeah, I'm talking about the, the optimal state. Okay. For me, when yeah. I performed, all the fight that I performed better, it would, be, it would sound silly, but the fight that I performed better, it's not the fight that I only focus on my opponent. The fight that I performed better I know where all my friends are sitting in the in the crowd. I know what, how much time left there is. There is even one fight that I'm fighting BJ Penn, and, and I was looking through the fence. During the fight, I, I look at Cindy Crawford, and I thought, of, 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 oh, wow, how beautiful she is. And then I told myself, I said, oh, I, I better go back to, to fighting because I'm, you know, I'm going to be too, distra- too much distracted. Because when you fight, sometimes you have the impression that the time stuck. If you watch the movie Rocky, sometimes everything goes in slow motion. And this is true. That's something that, that really happened in a fight. You have the impression that you're, you're kind of in, in a dream. But this thing, 
when it happens to you, you cannot let it take you out of what is the most important thing that is happening right now. You know, I think it's good to be aware of your environment, to be focusing on what's going going on, but yet be aware of your environment, to be focused, but not to focus and not too much distracted in the same time. It's a perfect, perfect center where I think the, the optimal uh, uh, performance occur. And per, per, perhaps every individual is different. I, I mean, I, I, I know that for me personally, that's, the, that's how I perform the best. When I'm too much focused, I'm overthinking stuff. And overthinking creates paralysis sometimes. You, you're, you're, you're reacting a second too late because you're thinking too much ahead. And if you're, if you're not enough focused, you might get clipped by a punch that you haven't, haven't seen. So, yeah, you know, for sure. there's a perfect zone. Yeah. yeah, so we've got a mutual friend, John Berardi, who is a world-class nutrition expert and scientist, and he's created amazing systems for nutrition. Obviously, you know John and work on your nutrition game at a high level. What do you do to prepare your mind? Is it imagery? Is it uh, meditation? Is it self-talk? Is it goal setting? Is it all of that? Is it breathing work? pre-performance routines like what are the things that you do to prepare your mind i think i think one thing that that is good that i was good for me i'm a little bit obsessive compulsive and um i think one of a good thing is when you're when you want to be champion or the best at something you need to be more than dedicated to this thing you need to be obsessed and I'm talking about being the best in the world at something. You need to be obsessed by it. You need to dream about it, to think about it, to breathe it, to eat it. Every time you have a second, you need to think about it. And that's how I always was during my career. And I always, when I knew I was about to fight some someone, when I knew I was going to fight someone, I always had uh, imagery. And sometimes in those scenarios, I was winning, but also sometimes I was losing. But it's always important for me that if I'm losing my, my, visual, my visualization scenario, I need to focus on finishing it on, in a way that I take back the upper end. For example, if I'm visualizing in an image I occur in my head that of my next fight and I'm visualizing getting punched and, and, and I fell down. I cannot stop my visualization right there. Right there. I had to see the, 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 the next, what's going to happen next to this. So I see myself getting back up and, and hitting him back or taking him back down. So I finish on a good, on a positive way, then I can, I can stop visualizing and, and go go on with my life. So that's one thing that I always did. I never finish on a negative note. I always finish on a positive. I always finish uh, in the upper end. Mm, cool thought. And then do you, when you organize like your world, what is it that you're craving and searching for? What is it that you're most hungry for in life? Like what is the thing underneath the drive? Uh, for, for a sport, I, I, um, I thought when I was young, I thought that nervousness and fear will disappear over time. But I realized that it doesn't only disappear, it doesn't disappear, but it gets even worse. The only thing that changes that is that I, I accept it and I know it's going to be there and I know how to deal with it. And Mike Tyson coaches, Kosomato used to say fear, fear is like fire. It can help you cook your food but it can also burn you. And you see a lot of guys, they, they are very good in the gym, but when they get under the spotlight, they, they freeze. It happened to a lot of people. And the reason why I think I was able to perform well is I was able to control it. Now with the experience, I know that I'm going to be scared when the fight is coming. I know I'm not going to sleep well the week of the fight, but I accept it. I know it's a fact. And when I was young, I was like freaking out because I was like, oh my God, I only sleep four hours the night before the fight. Holy shit. And I was putting more pressure under, under myself because I was like, man, I'm not going to be 
able to perform at my best because I lack I lack sleeping. But now I know that it's a normal normal thing. It's my instinct. I have a hard time sleeping before the fight, the night of the fight, because I have so many scenarios in my head. It's crazy. But now I accept it. I know it's normal. I know it's a process I have to go through. It's a suf- suffering process that I had to go through before a fight, and I accept it. So I don't freak out about it anymore. But it's still as 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 bad as it was. The only difference is that I accept it now. Do you have a meditation or a mindfulness practice? Because your awareness of your inner world, as well as your awareness of what's happening around you, is really high. And have you practiced mindfulness or meditation or any of those advanced skills for awareness training? I don't know if it's meditation that we that I call meditation, but I, I do a lot of imagery. Mm-hmm. And... Um, all of my imagery that I do, like I said, is, is, is all, it always ends on a positive way. Right, okay. Because as, you, as, as human being, if you're, if you're a smart person, you're aware of the danger. Mm-hmm. And if you're aware of the danger, for sure sometimes you're going to have thoughts that go through your mind that bad scenarios happen, bad imagery happen, if you want it or not, because you don't control what is going on in your brain all, all the time. So what happens is if you have bad imagery that start and in, in you're processing thought, you need to make sure that you flip the, those imagery. You, you, you make sure the scenario, the, the movie that is happening in your mind, finish good on a positive way. So when you, when you close, the, when the movie finish, it finish with a good ending. And that's what I do in my mind all the time. Even though I don't have the, the upper end all the time, I don't never finish the movie with me losing. I always finish with the movie that me struggling, getting back the upper end and winning at the end. And this is very important for me. So I think like when we do imagery, I usually have folks do like an 85-15. So 85% of the time, it's success driven. It's getting the right vibe and executing, whether it's in slow-mo or real time or somewhere in between, like at a very high level. And then the 15% is like getting caught with a left or something takes place and you find yourself, you know, on your back in a bad position. Um, Is that about the same ratio that you're using or is it more 50-50, somewhere in between? What percent, like the basic question is what percentage of the time are you seeing it? where it's success driven and what percentage of the time is it like you're, you're fighting your way from some, a difficult position? It's, it's a good question. I, I think it's about maybe 80 to 20 mm-hmm. or, or I would say 75 positive and tw- 25 negative. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you for sure. It always, always, <laughs> always ends, ends. <laughs> with a hundred percent, ratio positive yeah but it doesn't always start with the positive yeah but it, it always ends with it because i force myself to, to, to finish it this way and can you can you see it obviously but can you feel it and taste it and smell it is it in color can you manipulate it from a lot of different directions are you in your own body or watching from the corner of the cage like, can you walk through some of those mechanics and include the duration? Is it like three minutes a day, 30 minutes a day? Uh, I, I, never, I never do it. I never spend time of the day doing it. The only time I spend time of my day doing it, it's before the, before the, big, the big fight. Right. The day before the fight, I like the night. I like to do a rehearsal in in the the night before. So what I do is I get access to the the theater, what the 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 place where I'm gonna fight. I have a special access. I have a I have a friend that get a special access. I walk from my locker room. I do my my walkout. So I walk from my locker room, and now I visualize when I'm gonna be called. How I'm gonna walk. How I'm gonna reach the octagon. Then when I'm in the octagon, how I'm going to fight. And then I always finish with my hand raised. And then I, I, I try to imagine the crowd applauding me and, and, and me being happy of winning and that feeling of gratitude and, and, and happiness that I'm going to have winning the fight. And then I'm walking back 
after the fight, going back to the locker room and and shut down my emotion, and now thinking, oh, it's all over, and being happy and ready to go to the press conference. Mm. I do that because when I fight, the night of the fight, I feel like it's it's like a real. I, I I will feel like it's not the first time that I've done it. It's it's I will recognize certain pattern, and it, it will be a little bit like muscle memory. I will recognize and I set myself for success, for success doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And and I want to get it right. You only would do it the night before or is that when you do, do it the most? I do it the night before mm-hmm. and I do it also in the mor- the morning when after my breakfast, mm-hmm. when I wake up in the afternoon. I do it the day of the fight. So if I, sometimes I, 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 I can't, but if I have a chance, I do it the night before, for sure, 100% the night before. So I go sleep with a good, good, uh, positive vibe, and I do it the day of, if I can do it. Yeah, cool. If I can have access. So you're really intense, and you know, like, it just jumps out of this conversation how intense you are, and how obsessed you use your language about you know becoming the best. And I want to. I've got two part question here, and then I want to wrap up because I know that we're on a, on a time demand here is the two-part question is, how do you manage your intensity? And then the second is, are you tr- were you trying to be the best or your best? I, I try to be, you know, I always wanted, wanted to be the best, you know, the, be- the best in the world at what I do. However, I always had the, the confidence because I work very hard and, I think it's a combination of, of, of talent. Also, I work very hard and I meet, also I have that chance. I think it's, it, it, there's a part of it that is chances. I met very good people at the right time and it's a question of timing. I think all that together make it, you know, if you want to be champion, you need to have all, all that things together. Make that, you know, to be, you know, to be genetically good athletes, to, to, to work very hard, also to meet the, the right person, be at the right moment at the right time and make the right choices. I think it's a, it's a combination of all that. And also you need to be obsessed because if you're obsessed and, and more driven about what, about what you do, it's like when you play poker with someone at the same skill as yours, but you have more chip than him. So you have more chance to win because you're ready to put more into it to obtain what you want. And I think that's one of the big key to success for me was my obsession of becoming the best. And by my by having that obsession of becoming the best, I was able to always perform at my best. Finding Mastery is brought to you by AG1. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know what a big supporter I am of AG1. And it's almost been for a decade now. So I love what they're doing. I, it's something I drink just about every day. And Part of their marketing slogan is that it's a nutritional insurance program. And like, I just, I love that. That's the way it feels for me. And that's because each serving of AG1 delivers a dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and so much more. It is a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. I like to take it first thing in the morning, which is also recommended for optimal nutrient absorption. So what I do is I just fill up my shaker, add some cold water, a scoop of AG1, and a little squeeze of lemon. I shake it up, and I'm ready to go. Or if I'm in a rush or you know, I'm, I'm ripping and running on the road, I just grab an AG1 travel pack to take with me. I feel great after drinking it, not only because of the nutritional insurance idea, but there's just a, there's a sustenance that happens when I drink it. And I love recommending it to friends and family because I know AG1 is formulated with science-informed rigor and the highest quality in mind. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. And that's why I've loved partnering with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, I want to encourage you to give AG1 a try and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and also get five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash findingmastery. Again, that's drinkag1.com slash finding mastery. Finding mastery is brought to you by AquaTrue. 
we all know how important hydration is to performance and recovery and well-being, but it's not just about how much you drink. The quality of your water plays a big role. And if you're like me and you don't fully trust tap water, and I think for good reason, research by the Environmental Working Group has shown that three out of four homes in the U.S. have harmful contaminants in tap water. That's why I'm really excited to introduce AquaTrue. Their purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. It's incredible. I can literally taste the difference in my water. Plus, the filters are affordable and long-lasting. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That adds up to less than three cents per bottle. It feels great to know that all at once, I'm saving money, getting the highest quality water for the Finding Mastery team, and helping make a positive impact on the environment by eliminating single-use plastics all the way around. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and it even makes a great gift. And right now, because you're a Finding Mastery listener, you receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. So just go to AquaTrue.com. You spell it A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code Finding Mastery at checkout. Again, that's aquatrue.com. Enter the Finding Mastery code at checkout to receive 20% off any purifier that you buy there. And then how do you deal with the dark side, the cost of being so obsessed? Because there is a dark side to those that are mono-focused. Yeah. That's why I retire. It weighs on you. It weighs on your shoulder. The The reason why I retire and people they ask me all the time. They say, "Oh, you retire because you were uh, you were afraid of the, the the punch to the head." And I always said, "I'm more afraid of the stress that I put on my shoulder than the the, the brain damage that the sport gave me." Because I, I you know, I, I the brain damage is more is more is more in training than in the fight. Because in a fight, you maybe fight three times a year, but you train every day. But I'm known as a technician. I, I never, you know, train like an idiot. You know, I'm, I'm very conscious, aware of the brain damage. But for me, the stress that I put on my shoulder because I'm so extreme. And I do that also because I'm, I know that I, that I am at my best when I'm over the edge. You know, I'm, I'm at the edge and I know I have to go all in. That's when I perform at my best. That's that's how I am an extremist person, and that's how it is for me. And I put so much on my shoulder that after a while, after many years, it weighs on you, and it creates create a lot of stress. And now we know that stress is the cause of many diseases, and that's why I was the most uh, the, the most uh, uh, I would say um, uh, aware of for my well being. You know about the stress. Mm. Well said. Well said. Okay, so on that note, what has your love life been like? My my love life was always hard because of my obsession for the the job that I do. For me, when I was competing, my my most important thing in my life because I was by myself, it was my obsession of becoming the best fighter and I was very obsessed, so that always been number 1 for me. And, and training and, and work was always number one. And it's hard for a woman because to, to always pass in second, you know, that, that's why it was very hard for me to find the, the, the perfect woman during that time because it's hard for a woman to be second. You know, women normally, they want to be first. But in my situation, because it's so much, it's a sport that is very dangerous and so extreme that you need you need to put so much into it. I was always putting my career and my my uh, my sport first, you know. And and this is something for a woman. It's not easy to accept, you know. It's very hard. Mm. How about now? Now that you've been retired, and out of the game for a little bit, you know, is your love life flourishing, or is it still something that you know you struggle with because of the uh, the patterns that you developed early days? Well, I I, I always have. Um, what I do is I always have, because I'm I'm a I'm a celebrity. I always have a, a, a shield that I put, you know, like when I do a, 
documentary or interview about families and stuff like that, love. Because me, I'm a celebrity, but I always protect the person I, I love and the person I spend time with by not, not putting them public. Because for me, it's very important that this is my, my, my circle of... Uh, my, my my circle of privacy and is and I, I i this is something that i i keep very close uh uh close uh very close to the outside world you know so one time i remember just to give you an example how crazy it gets sometimes there were a camera that that followed me you know to uh you know for my training and my life and they came to my my house where i grew up to my parent house and i'm from countryside and because I exposed my family and my, 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 my parents only one time, then I remember there were a bunch of people that found out where I live and they, they stopped, they start knocking at my door because I'm from countryside and they look in the phone book, they look at, oh, St. Pierre, it's very easy to find. So then they, they were coming in my parents' house, trying to find out where I live and, hey, can I talk to George and my parents? You know, they're from countryside. They grew up a little bit in, in a naive naive ways you know so they're very nice to everybody and they they were like uh very gentle to everybody but i, I was telling them as i look you you don't know these people you know you don't know what their intention you don't know what they want it's, it's very dangerous you know so for this reason I, I close everything that regards my personal life it's very important for me to protect the person i i love and i spend time with i see a lot of celebrity what they do is they 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 post the uh, picture and video with their with their wife or, or and kids and 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 parents and sisters and i think it's a mistake for me maybe i'm paranoid but from what i what i what i found out for me it's a, it's a mistake for me to do that so i never never do that that's why you never see anything like this on my social media nothing it's a, it's something that i keep completely out of my of my personal life yeah, it sounds like you've got a clear understanding of what your sanctuary is, and family and intimate relationships are part of it, and so um, you're just very disciplined about that. Yeah, yeah, because I think it's a circle, you know. As a person, there's the physical, there's the the, the psychological, and there's the emotional. If one of these things is like a triangle, if one of these things doesn't work well you're not at your best. You're not able to perform your task at your best. And this, I'm, I'm talking not about a, an athlete. I'm talking about uh, any field of work, a lawyer, uh, uh, you know, an engineer, uh, a janitor, anything. You know, it's, if one of these things doesn't work well, if physical, emotional, and uh, um, physical, emotional, and psychological, you, 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 you have a problem. And someone, and someone attack your your family and someone you love, you will you will have a problem. Mm. Okay. Do you have a spiritual framework? Do you have any sense of, um, like, you know, bigger order things like how we got here, what spirituality means? Do you, Do you have any practice there? I, I I am not a a religious person. I grew I grew up in a my family is is a, a Catholic Christian. You know. But I am not a religious person. Me, I, I question a lot of things sometimes, and I'm not afraid to say the answer is I don't know. You know, like I, I, I don't know if how I get here. I don't know if there is a God. I, I don't know. I respect every religion, every form of belief, but I am, a, I would say I would qualify myself as an agnostic. You know, I'm not an atheist because being an atheist, you don't believe in anything. I just don't know. I think it's three words. I don't know. For me, I'm a agnostic. I, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you have Do you have a philosophy that guides your life? You know, I've read that your aim is to be flexible, open-minded, and ready for any situation, which is a beautiful philosophy. But I'm wondering, like, when I ask you more open-ended, do you have a philosophy that guides your decisions, your actions, you know, even your words? What comes to mind? I have a philosophy, you know, but, but it's not a religious philosophy. People that are, that are religious, they follow a certain code, 
that comes with their religion. Okay, they they don't act in a different ways. They they do certain things. They don't eat certain stuff. Me, I I don't do anything like this. I the only thing I I I try to 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 focus on as a code is uh, I try to not do to someone something that I would not like be done on myself. You know that that's the only thing. I, I do not care what's the you know where the, what's the people background who, who, what they believe. It's fine. I think it's okay. They they can believe whatever they want. But I I don't want to do. I try to not do to not harm anybody. You know the best I can. You know I, I, that that's my mentality. You know. It's cool hearing that from you, knowing that as a cage fighter, you know, like part of your job is to inflict pain or harm or and sometimes even leave destruction, you know, to the physical form of somebody. How do you balance those two for you? I don't really like to fight, to tell you the truth. I, I hate it. I, I, I only fight because I had to do it in order to live my life. I... Uh, if I wanted to have the lifestyle that I have, I needed to fight to to do it. You know, it, it, it need need every everything you have in life. There's a price to pay, and the price of my freedom and my lifestyle is to fight. It was to fight, but now I don't need to fight. That's why I retire. You know, I like the training, the science of it, because for me it's not fighting, it's playing. I like to play. In training, I play. But when I I'm under the spotlight and it's and it's for real, it's not playing because you risk your life. You even in training, sometimes you can risk your life. You can get caught with something. You can it could be dangerous. We don't play golf, but in a fight, sometimes it, it's not playing. It's for real. You 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 you're under stress and your well-being can be affected. And there is an X factor that you don't control. And this is why I I hate to fight. It's very it's very stressful. It's very hard. However, it's a price to pay if I want to have the freedom and the access that I have on certain things and and, and the, the the life that I that I have. What an incredible com- complex, you know, internal ecosystem that you have. You know that you're so skilled and so dedicated. Uh, you you are orientated towards compassion. And then the conflict of actually being a fighter saying, but I don't like the destruction that, and, and the intense risk that comes with it, but it's created incredible f- freedoms. I, I, rem- I remember I used to see a, a sports psychologist at one point. I meet another sports psychologist. And you're a sports psychologist, so you will understand. Yeah, yeah. The sports psychologist used to say, oh, the fight, my fight is coming up. And I used to say, oh, I'm scared. He's like, George, don't say you're scared. You're excited. And I used to say, hell no, I'm not excited. I'm excited when I see a beautiful naked woman. I'm excited when I've been fasting for uh, five days and I know I'm about to eat my favorite dish. I'm excited when it's freezing cold winter in Montreal and I know I'm going to Bahamas and vacation for a week. That's I'm excited. I'm not excited to go in and fight in front of thousands of people and not knowing if I'm going to get humiliated or if I'm going to reach the extreme uh, uh, happiness of winning. I'm not excited about the inter- the uncertainty of the outcome of the fight. This is, this is for me not excited at all. I'm scared and I'm not afraid to admit that I'm scared, but I'm going to do something. That's when I perform at my best, when I'm feeling that way. And I know it and I am ready to deal with it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that, you know, to convert butterflies from fear to excitement is a little crazy. There can be some small shift that we can make and we can interpret butterflies in some ways or that activation that takes place. But in the big order, I love that you're saying, no, listen, I'm afraid and I'm going to learn how to manage that fear. I'm going to learn how to prepare in a world-class way. I'm going to fully commit to it and I'm going to manage this fear and I need tools and want tools to manage the fear. Does that sound like what you your approach? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. It's just that for me, the, the word exciting because maybe I'm from I'm from speak, French speaking culture, but the word the word exciting it really does not apply to to this uh, this scenario of my life. 
Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> Especially yeah. not when I'm a week away from a fight. <laughs> Hell no. There, there is. I would like to be anywhere else in the world except to be in the situation that I am. That's wild. For as good as you are, to have that inner conflict, to one announce it so that you can actually work with it and wrestle with it, is a demonstration of your courage. But to thrive with that conflict, you know, I think it's phenomenal. Okay, have you found what you're looking for? Have you, like the big question, not like the little like, have you found your keys to your car? But like, have you found what you're looking for and you're searching for uh, your whole life? Uh, no, I, I I don't think so. I, as I think, um, you know, if I, if I found what I look for, that's mean I will never I will have nothing to live for. You know what I mean? Like like I mean, I would say that I'm very happy. But you know, like, 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 for example, my situation. I, I, I wanted to fight Khabib, and Khabib wanted to fight me. But the U, UFC refused to organize the fight because they had other plan for Khabib. And now they ask, they, they were offering me other fights, but I, it's not worth for me to to take those fights. And if you, if if you ask me if I found what I look for, that means happiness. And, uh, and satisfaction. The day that an athlete say that he's satisfied is the day that he should retire. So for me, I always wanted to come back and do a, some, a, a different challenge. That's, where, that's why I fought Michael Bisping. It was a different challenge. I, know, I never went up to fight in a higher and a heavier weight class against a, a champion in a heavier weight class. Uh, win, win in a stoppage, you know, and, and that was another criticizer. And put more emphasis on, on the emotional part during the promotion. That, that was a different, a new challenge for me. So that's why I was, I was hungry to do it. Khabib was another story. I was hungry to, to fight a fighter that, that, that seems undefeated, that, had, um, that has an aura of invinci- invincibility that never lost before. Uh, it's the scariest thing to do, but it's also the most exciting thing to do as a competitor. And, um, that's why I wanted to do it. But now, because there is not this option offered to me, I'm not, uh, you know, that's why I'm, I'm satisfied with what I have and I, and, and I don't want to go back and, and fight for something else that I've been doing it's the same time, the same thing that I've been doing for my whole career because I won't be, I won't have the same motivation. And if I don't have the same motivation, I will not be as good as, as, as the performance. I will not be as good as I if, if it's something that I'm more strive to do that I'm more uh, you know obsessed and, and and something new like a new challenge you know that that's in that sense I did not find what I want you know but I'm if if, if there is no other option I'm compelled to to retire and I'm happy with what I did you know so it's okay I don't know it's it's hard to explain but that's how I a little bit I feel yeah no I think I, I you painted that picture well so. Arguably the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. How do you think about or define the concept of mastery? Well, mastering is, I believe, it's I it's someone that that like for me, I always wanted to be the perfect fighter. However, perfection it's impossible. You will never be able to reach perfection. One thing you're going to be able to do is to get closer to perfection. The more you work, the closer you will be. But you will never touch it. You will never achieve it. And you will, you will be as close as possible, but you will never touch it. It's like the, uh, you know, like in mathematics, you know, you, you will be close to the line, but never be able to touch it. You mm, know, and, mm-hmm. and that's how a little bit I see it. Mm. Beautiful. Okay, so I just want to say thank you for your time. Your mind is impressive. Your body of work is equally as impressive. And, um, you know, I'm wishing you the greatest flourishing in life. And um, I just want to say thank you. All right, thank you, Mike. Take care and uh, hope uh, everything goes well for you. Okay, all, good one. all the best. Thank you. Take care. Yeah. Okay, bye. All right, 
Thank you so much for diving into another episode of Finding Mastery with us. Our team loves creating this podcast and sharing these conversations with you. We really appreciate you being part of this community. And if you're enjoying the show, the easiest no-cost way to support is to hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you're listening. Also, if you haven't already, please consider dropping us a review on Apple or Spotify. We are incredibly grateful for the support and feedback. If you're looking for even more insights, we have a newsletter we send out every Wednesday. Punch over to findingmastery.com slash newsletter to sign up. This show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, and we take our recommendations seriously. And the team is very thoughtful about making sure we love and endorse every product you hear on the show. If you want to check out any of our sponsor offers you heard about in this episode, you can find those deals at findingmastery.com slash sponsors. And remember, no one does it alone. The door here at Finding Mastery is always open to those looking to explore the edges and the reaches of their potential so that they can help others do the same. So join our community, share your favorite episode with a friend, and let us know how we can continue to show up for you. Lastly, as a quick reminder, information in this podcast and from any material on the Finding Mastery website and social channels is for information purposes only. If you're looking for meaningful support, which we all need, one of the best things you can do is to talk to a licensed professional. So seek assistance from your healthcare providers. Again, a sincere thank you for listening. Until next episode, be well, think well, and keep exploring.